You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Utes. Welcome into a Monday edition of the podcast. Hope y'all's weekend was fantastic out there. Brian, we got a lot to talk about on today's show. It's the beat goes on here on the Locked On Utes podcast. There are so many sports competing right now, Jake. I can barely keep my hair in in whatever this tangled mess it is. Well, the main looks glorious. So we are going to talk football. We're going to talk basketball, and we got plenty more to talk about in between all of that. So let's waste no more time and dive on in on a Monday. This is the Locked On Utes podcast for November fifteenth, twenty twenty one. Again, thank you for taking some time to join us here on Locked On Utes. My name is Jake Hatch. I'm also joined, as always, by the man who makes this podcast really go, the brown bear in the chair himself, Brian Brown. What's up, my friend? Where it goes, Jake, no man or woman will know, but that's part of the <laughs> that's part of the thrill, I guess. Uh, it's good to be back on a Monday. It was a busy weekend. It mm-hmm. felt like it was a work weekend uh i don't even know where the weekend went to be honest yeah it just kind of blended back together the good news is, is we've got a lot of stuff to talk about this week is it's going to be another busy week and a big week for university of utah athletics especially the football team yeah if you've not done so already make sure you hit that follow button make sure you join us every single day because we aim to be the stop that you guys make every day to make sure you're caught up on all things youth so hit that follow button wherever you happen to be listening in from we are free and available on all podcasting platforms and more importantly Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. But let's start off on the football front, Brian. And I'll be frank, a 38-29 victory over the University of Arizona was not something I anticipated talking about at all when that game kicked off Saturday at noon. No, and and I you know, I think the debate was does Utah cover? And the answer to that was clearly not. It was not a game that I think uh, Utah fans or the Utah football team expected to to struggle with so much, but it was not a pretty game. That being said, it was a victory, and and you take these wins and the kind of win that it was, the way that Utah took over in the fourth quarter, you take that ten times out of ten. Yeah, and that's the thing is this is a game that Utah won in a fashion that Kyle Whittingham really enjoys. They had, what was it, just over 10 minutes to go in that game. They needed to put together a drive to essentially put that game to bed, and they put together an eight-and-a-half-minute drive capped off by a T.J. Pledger touchdown run, and you still have to win essentially at that point. That that was an impressive drive to go out there, take control of the game, and win it in the fashion that they did, but... I think there are plenty of Utah fans who are going to be upset just thinking about the fact that Arizona, lowly Arizona, the 1-8 Wildcats, hung tough with the big, bad, mighty Utes. But I, I, I guess what I need to say this. Arizona, they're still playing hard. This is not a lost season for them. They are playing hard for a guy like Jed Fish. He has a lot of things he's going to need to do to make them a competitive division, uh, competitive team but the thing is they're still hanging in there and that's a credit to Jed Fish and his work down there in the desert yeah it's a staff that's really experienced and they have a lot of energy and a lot of gusto right now I think we saw that team play hard uh, play with an edge which is 
great for Arizona. I think perhaps the biggest thing that stands out to me, Jake, is is what Utah allowed, and that was they allowed Arizona to maintain the football. This is a team that is dead freaking last in turnover margin here in the Pac-12. They're minus 1.4 turnovers per game. They're minus 14 on the season in terms of uh, turnovers gained versus turnovers lost. They average about two to three turnovers a game. Utah did not turn them over one single time, and that allowed an Arizona offense, which has struggled due to the turnovers, to finally capitalize. And they caught some momentum, and lo and behold, Utah had a fight on their hands. And this is the worst way to get a fight on your hands, right? Your midday game, it's a weird crowd. It's hotter down there. It's a lot hotter. And listen, I know that you can't make those excuses, but as somebody who used to go from Ephraim, Utah, where it was 75 degrees to the bedrock of Yuma, Arizona, where we had to play games at 8 PM because it was still 110 degrees. The heat takes its toll on you. So I think when you factor in all that stuff, Utah did a good job to rebound, They took over the game in the fourth quarter, and I think they did it in a fashion that we're starting to realize is the Utah identity. Ball control offense with Cam Rising leading the charge. Yeah, Cam Rising, 19 of 30, 294 yards passing, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. I thought he had an absolutely phenomenal performance. He also had a touchdown rushing in this game, four carries for 22 yards overall. So, Uh, It is an offense that features his strengths, but you're right. It's a ball control offense. They want to control the tempo of a game. They're just going to make your life miserable as a defense. And Arizona, I think they have some building blocks to work with, but the good news was late in that game, especially in the fourth quarter, as you pointed out, Utah took over. The no-Tavion Thomas situation, I think, added a wrinkle to this game that I don't think any of us really anticipated, but TJ Pledger, I thought, had a very, very steady performance. He did, and and it was the kind of performance that seems so ho hum with what Utah's done yeah. previously. Uh, it, you know, uh, and I just realized I have the uh, the broken stat broadcast stat link pulled up right now, so um, I don't have the specific TJ uh, numbers. I've got but it for he you was here. very good. I got it for you here: twenty five carries, one hundred nineteen yards, two touchdowns. It's four point eight yards per carry. Well, the good news is, according to Arizona's uh, official stat book, R. Glover had one attempt for negative two yards. So TJ at least did better than R. Glover. Um, but it was, by comparison and coming off the game that they just played against Stanford, this wasn't a great game, right? Utah allowed three sacks. That was a big one, ending a four-game streak of, of having a clean sheet in terms of protection. Um, it, you know, there were... Uh, just kind of blips all over the place. It, like at times, it looked like Pledger had a hard time uh, settling in. There were guys that took nicks and 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 got you know um, beat up a little bit. And and I think you know it, look, officiating is never the cause for anything, but boy did it interrupt a lot in terms <laughs> of the rhythm and flow of the game. And and it was super confusing. I you know I'm I, look I, I don't envy officials in this respect. How do you interpret the targeting rule anymore, Jake? I just don't know. It is the most miserable, uh, disgusting, frustrating rule on the planet, and and they have to do something about it because each crew has their own definition, and it changes from game to game, from hip to hit. It it does. It's so subjective. They need to go back to the drawing board on that rule. I know you're trying to legislate headshots out of the game, and that's that's a smart play, 
But how it's going right now, it, it, you're right. It's just disrupting the game and the overall officiating in this game. As I tweeted out, a, a number of people enjoyed that tweet. I said, Kyle Winningham looks like he's ready to throttle that line judge. He, he, he was just beside himself. I, I was too, and it was just like I don't want to watch, and I don't, you know, I don't want to have to invest my my emotions, my anger, my frustration in something that's entirely out of my control. Like mm-hmm. I can watch the game and stay in control, right? But officiating and the way those guys call that stuff, and especially with a rule that's designed to protect players, like that's really frustrating to me. And I'm, I'm sure it was frustrating to the Utes. I'm sure it was frustrating to the fans. You know, Kyle Whittingham, better man than I. I would have walked in there with a blank check written out to the Pac-12, slammed it on the table and I would have ripped him a new one because there were multiple situations where I think uh, there was no uh, balance to how the calls were being made or, yeah. or on what side of the ball it was or wasn't. You know, the phantom face mask even benefited Utah to a little bit there at the end of the game. We'll take it because I think there was, you know, the only review was the weird Cole Bishop uh, you know, and look, I mean, initially it kind of did look like a targeting. And then when you look back at it, it, it really wasn't, yeah. but then they called it roughing the passer, which <laughs> I, I don't know. Like I, I just, and, and maybe that's part of the problem is that we're getting so complicated with the rules to where fans who are watching can't even understand them anywhere. Um, you know, so all that stuff, I think factored into this game, just being kind of, uh, a frustration fest. Let's yeah. call it that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and I think the biggest part about it is that this is a game where maybe in years past, a Utah team might have let it slip through their fingers. This team did not. They went out there. They got done what they needed to do. They rolled through the fourth quarter, a 15-play drive that took almost eight minutes off the clock. And by that point, the life was out of Arizona. They escaped with a win. You come home, and now you're ready to go against the game that matters the most, right? Yeah, the, the game of the year in the Pac-12 is this Saturday up on the hill at Rice Stadium as the youth will take on Oregon. And by the way, a 5.30 kickoff, ABC, prime time treatment for the Utes. Looking forward to that. I heard you talking in the postgame saying that that game deserved that treatment. You were absolutely correct. And uh, it's good to see that, um, you know, the rest of the world is listening, at least to, to the postgame show with <laughs> Jake Hatch. Um, <laughs> I, I can hardly say that I spoke it into existence. I'm just glad that they actually, you know, pulled their heads out of the you-know-what you and figured it out. For sure, and and I think this is going to be an exciting week. We'll we'll preview that a lot uh, moving up ahead. But there's also uh, maybe a nerve-wracking week for Utah fans. They're a two-and-a-half-point favorite. That line's already fluctuating. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's a lot to discuss in terms of what this team needs to clean up in order to be good against Oregon because that's a a good football team. Yeah, good thing we got four days to break that down. We will do that. But we also need to spend some time talking about the running Utes. They're off to a 2-0 start on the season. We're going to talk about their win over Sacramento State, and they are right back in action tonight as they host Bethune-Cookman up at the Huntsman Center. We'll dig into that momentarily. First, though, let's talk about our friends over at Prize Picks, Brian. And this time of year, yeah, you have college hoops, you got college football. The best part about Prize Picks is they are the number one when it comes to college sports daily fantasy. They offer more college football and I'm guessing also college basketball props than anybody else in the world and offers all the star players of the Power Five as well as mid-major players you may not have ever heard of. You can get in on all of this action. 
Yeah, like this is the best way to play daily fantasy, Jake. Uh, You get two to five players that you can select. You can select from a variety Mm -hmm. of of sports, a variety of levels. You can go P5, you can go G5. You know, maybe maybe you like to live dangerously, so you're going to take Logan Bonner, the starting quarterback (laughs) from Utah State. Uh, I don't know if I like to live that dangerously, but uh, you know, he's a tough tough kid, and if there's a toughness factor uh, on on uh, price picks, then you'll get that once you suit up and, and ride. And the best part about it, like it's just you versus the numbers. It's you versus the over, you versus the under. Mm-hmm. It's not me versus Jake. It's not me versus anybody else out there. It's not me versus some dude sitting in the basement um, or, or in Antigua or someplace <laughs> like that. Um, place that I can't even spell making money off of, uh, you know, being a nerd. Well, that, and that's the thing about it is this is not you going to go it's going up against professionals. So the best part is all of your entries can be made in sixty seconds or less. It's really that easy. So get to PrizePicks.com or use their award-winning app and get started there. While you're there, when you make your deposit, please use the promo code Locked On. You'll get a one hundred percent instant deposit match up to a hundred dollars. Once again, all you got to do is use that promo code Locked On. So once again, get started now at PrizePicks.com or go to your, your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Thank you once again for making Locked On Utes your first listen of the day. We love talking all things Utah with you guys. Now let's talk a little bit about the running Utes, Brian. It is college hoops season, and the Craig Smith era is off to a 2-0 start by virtue, obviously, of this opening win over Abilene Christian, but an 89-56 route of Sacramento State, and that came Saturday night. And I think it went about as I expected it to go because this is an overmatched Big Sky team coming to the Huntsman Center, and Craig Smith and his team just took care business they did and they did it in true craig smith fashion right they did it with defense and with rebounding uh this one was a much better effort than the week uh uh, at the game in the week previous against abilene christian i think they were definitely led by uh, brandon carlson who uh head brandon carlson i I don't know we're workshopping that one not quite sure if we like that nickname or not here on the locked on youth podcast but carlson was fantastic he had uh the kind of game that we're going to learn to expect from him right 21 points had had a rebound two assists uh two blocks was an impact player on the offensive and defensive uh and he i think he showcased his outside shooting a little bit um on Saturday night, but also his his playmaking and, and that transition for him to be able to play maybe a little bit more for this season could be a big deal for Utah once they get into Pac-12 play. And that's the thing. He's got like Brandon Carlson. Uh, very nice performance for him. And things unlock for him when he's able to hit the outside shot. He's 2-2 two two from beyond the arc, and he goes 8-10 from the field. If I'm not mistaken, was it a, wasn't it a career high points for him, 21 points in, in this win, and does it in 21 minutes. That's pretty dang good. Yeah, point per minute is is good for, for uh, from what I've been told by the statisticians uh, on Twitter. But also important to note on this game that I think the the first appearance of Booth Gotch, yes. who was officially uh, cleared to play, which who who can only know why the NCAA decided to drag their feet so much on that one. Um, it was really great that he had to sit out one game, but you know came off the bench, eleven points, four six from the uh, from uh, from the field. You know, couple rebounds, couple assists, and, and just really contributed. I think was the biggest thing. And he he allows this Utah team to have a, a different dimension in terms of lineups that they can mix, mm-hmm. the way that they can defend. I think with he and Marco Anthony on the floor, that really gives Utah a lot of flexibility and options in terms of how they defend guys. 
And that's the thing. He's six six. He's one hundred and ninety pounds. He's got the versatility. I think to defend up to four positions. I think he is that good on the defensive side of the basketball. And it's good to just see him back out there in a Utah uniform. That one year dalliance over to Minnesota did not go as planned, obviously for him. But it's good to see him back at Utah. And as you mentioned, nineteen minutes. It's nice to see him out there on the court. And I'm also with you. The NCAA should have just cleared him right away. Just, just, just get it done. I, I, I don't get why the NCAA does what they do because there's so many things out there that I just look at and say, okay, you guys are total buffoons. Well, in this instance, once again, he's going to sit out the first game, but then he's cleared right away. What, what's the difference? I, that, you know, I know it's a rhetorical question, Jake, but I don't have answers for you on that one. But I think it's very... Uh, you know, consistent with the NCAA to, to make make it appear like they have actual power when, when really it's slipping away day by day. And, and you have to wonder how much longer uh, they really have the kind of influence that they have um, on, on some of these conferences, at least on the football side of things. Uh, I think as long as the NCAA uh, tournament is going on for basketball, they'll always hold a lot of that. Um, but it's just, you know, it, it was good to get Booth back. It was good to see him in the Huntsman Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought he played well. I thought Utah played extremely well. And I thought that this Utah team showed a lot of, of toughness, grit, and energy, which I think is refreshing for Utah fans, m- most of all. Yeah. And it's, like, for those of uh, for those fans who have never seen a Craig Smith team, like, they played like a Craig Smith basketball team. Like, upbeat, up-tempo, defending hard, rebounding, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, it's not always going to get the job done, especially when you play against some of those high, higher level teams and, and man uh, if anybody watched UCLA against Villanova that's going to be a tough tough ask for everybody in the Pac-12 <laughs> yes. this year um, but you know it, it's going to be a, a fun team to watch in that regard they're going to play with a ton of energy and, and it comes from Craig Smith yeah it's a new era that's that, that's the good news uh, for Utah and we'll see how things go because they're right back in action tonight they are taking on the Bethune-Cookman Wildcats uh, looking forward to this matchup. It is the first game of the mid uh, mid tournament event that uh, mid season tournament event that Utah will be playing in the Sunshine Slam. Uh, that is going to be a fun game tonight, eight o'clock tip up there at the Huntsman Center, and this will be an interesting matchup because uh, I don't know how many how many people know this, Brian, but there's a gentleman by the name of. Reginald Wayne Thies, who happens to be on the opposing sideline. You may know him as Reggie Thies, the two-time NBA All-American, the former UNLV standout. He is the athletic director as well as the first-year head coach for Bethune-Cookman. Yeah, I, I wonder how he got that job. He must have had a connection with the AD up in the uh, <laughs> in the office or something like that. But interesting because I think Thies has bounced around a ton. He has. And, and in a lot of programs was a, a fairly well-known NBA player. Um, it'd be curious to see what, what's going on. I think uh, Bethune is is uh, not exactly the kind of school that you think of as a powerhouse or a juggernaut, no. but they're in a very um, prime recruiting area down there in Daytona Beach, Florida. Yeah, they're, they're a historically black uh, college, but the thing with Thies is he comes in and gives them some respectability because he's a name. As we mentioned, former NBA player, played for Jerry Tarkanian at UNLV. Uh, he is going to lend, I guess, just that kind of that that name recognition to a program who otherwise is a little nondescript. Uh, they did not play last season. They opted out of the entire year. So this is, I think they played over, it was over 600 days between games for uh, 
for Bethune Cookman for the Wildcats. They're 0-2 so far this season. Uh, they are coming to Monday's matchup having lost to USF 75-54 and Middle Tennessee State 71-51. Both of those games on the road. Joe French is their leading scorer, averaging 16 points so far this year, but I'm expecting essentially what we saw against Sacramento State, if not worse, in this matchup tonight. It's just going to be a, a tough tough ask for Bethune-Cookman. They're a long way from home, and this is a Utah team that really does have some studs. I think, you know, Marco Anthony, we talked about him, talked about Brandon Carlson. And I think Raleigh Wooster's showing some some real grit and skill in terms of being a facilitator, and, and they just need uh, to make sure that David Jenkins Jr. stays the course as, as, as a gunner and a scorer, and, and they'll be able to put a lot of these teams away. But if they play with the kind of intensity and, and upbeat tempo that they did against Sac State, this one won't last very long. Yeah, no doubt about that. Jacob Toby will be on the call for the first ever meeting between the running Utes and the Wildcats. Ernie Kent, the former Oregon and Washington State head coach, will be the analyst. He'll be on the Pac-12 networks. As you mentioned, tip-off in that game set for 8 p.m. Mountain Time. All right, coming up here in just a moment, we need to talk about yet another move in the Pac-12. Jimmy Lake is out at Washington. What does that mean for the conference? We'll dig into that. We'll also catch up on everything else that happened over the weekend for Utah Athletics. First, though, Let's talk about our friends over at Built Bar, Brian. Uh, the coconut, the coconut. <laughs> wow, I screwed up the name there. The coconut brownie crumble uh, came back on the market. You know, I had to jump on, jump that and get an order of that. Let's just put it this way: the Hatch household is very well stocked with Built Bars currently. It's the best time of year. Anytime that coconut brownie crumble comes out, one of my favorites. Uh, I'm not a big coconut guy, Jake, mm -hmm. but I tell you what, Built Bar does it right. The best part about it, as always, it's it's got that good whey protein, anywhere from 17 to 18 grams. You're not going to have to worry about tons of sugar in this thing, and it's still going to taste good. Uh, always five grams of sugar or less, and and it just you know, now is the time to go get you a box. Uh, we're, we're going into uh, Christmas season. You're going to be snacking a lot. You're going to need to make sure that you uh, you stay satisfied for all the, uh, the Christmas parties and everything like that and all the snacks. You know that everybody's going to go be going hard because we didn't get to do it last year. <laughs> so make sure you go with your built bar to stay satisfied, stay out of the, uh, stay out of the eggnog too much. Hey, eggnog's delightful, but Built Bar, much better for you. So give it a shot, folks. Get to Built.com right now. Place your order. While you're there, use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. If I'm not mistaken, Brian, I've heard a number of people out there advertising for Built Bar. The Locked 15 is actually the best discount you can find anywhere because most of them are 10% discounts or 5% discounts. The Locked On Network has been a longtime sponsor with uh, with Built Bar. You can get 15% off. Use that promo code LOCKED15 at Built.com and get enjoying the best tasting protein bars with our friends at Built Bar. As is customary here on Mondays here on the Locked On Utes podcast, we recap the weekend that was both for the Utes as well as the Pac-12. So, Brian, should we start locally or should we go around the conference first? What are you feeling? Oh, I'm, I'm feeling some anger, Jake, so let's go take this to the lake. Yeah, nice, nice, nice poll there. Jimmy Lake, the head coach of the Washington Huskies, he is officially out, fired after just 13 games and under two years as head coach up there in Seattle. Uh, it, man, what a train wreck that had become, and it's no surprise that Jen Cohen pulled the trigger. No, it's not, and, and I think really um – 
maybe this was a blessing in disguise for for Jimmy in some respects because he is way over his head up there at Washington. Recruiting was already starting to flounder uh, pretty substantially. Even since he took over, there had been a mass exodus. You know, he never came across to me as somebody that I felt like had the uh, gravitas as a head coach, right? Like really cocky, um, could be kind of snide and, and, and a little bit um, arrogant in, in his conversation. You know, I, I think he was well-versed in how to speak with the media, but, um, you know, when push came to shove, he wasn't able to set a culture, made a terrible hire, and John Donovan is the oh, offensive geez. coordinator that was universally lambasted. Like this is not just like – Everybody was like, no, what are you doing? And came out and tried to hype up his team to uh, a much substantiated uh, fall on your face type season. And, and you know, I, like I just it's fascinating to see somebody like that who operates with so much ego. And, and look, you have to have ego to, to coach in this business, to be in this business. Uh, fascinating to see someone with that kind of ego that was so out there with it uh, just kind of lose control and, and lose his job. Yeah, it, it's just it was so stunning because we we all remember Chris Peterson when he stepped aside. Jimmy Lake was immediately promoted into that job, and I have no doubt that uh, Chris Peterson thought that Lake would be capable of it. But I'm with you. It just seemed like he came off as a guy who uh, I'm the head coach at Washington. You should uh, just just know what I do. It's like no, you've got to bow down before me. Yeah, just weird. I man, so yet another change in the Pac-12 and. Brian, I'm telling you right now, it seems like that is just yet another change, and there's still plenty more to come, it feels like, here for the Pac-12. There could be half of the head coaching jobs in this conference could be open by the time the season ends, it feels like. Yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting offseason. The carousel will churn. I think that you have to look at uh, Washington is, is likely the the – uh, the best job in the conference, in my opinion, although the, the roster talent there is not what it used to be. Mm-hmm. There is still a lot of talent in, in, in the program. And, and I would be shocked if Justin Wilcox and, and Washington don't find a way to make that work out, especially with how bad things has got, have gotten for him at Cal. He is a good head coach. He's done a great job at Cal despite a lot of things. And now all of a sudden you think, you know, if, if maybe that's a possibility, you know, who ends up at USC and, and who else, you know, moves around from the Pac-12, it's going to be a roller coaster. Yeah, that that's the thing about that. There's, there's some premier name jobs out there, obviously, with USC, Washington, but – uh, I'm expecting moves at Arizona State. Who knows what uh, UCLA is going to do? I know they're, they're bowl eligible, so that's a positive uh, for Chip Kelly for the first time in his tenure. But been a lot of rumors that he may be out there in Westwood. Could be a very, very crazy offseason, and we'll continue to track it. It's going to be wild if Chip Kelly gets let go in the very yeah. first season that he gets UCLA I know, to a bowl. I, I know, but it just seems like there's a <laughs> lot of talk about it. Yeah, and and you have to wonder how much of that like uh, influences the decision makers, right? Sure. Yeah. Uh, because I think there have been more than a few occasions where we've seen the narrative take over, and and that's cost somebody their job. Um, you know, I, I if you're a Utah fan right now, or if you're a recruit out there, you have to look at Utah and be thankful that Kyle Whitting has, has been here long enough uh, to pass Ike Armstrong for yeah. or Ty Ty Ike Armstrong. Ike Armstrong. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Just. 
Utah is like the pinnacle of steady Eddie, and that that's actually a really good thing in this circumstance. So that's a very good sign for the University of Utah. All right, other things we need to touch on locally. Uh, congratulations to the University of Utah Women's Cross Country Program. They are headed to the national championships, Brian, so a big accomplishment for them. They had a very fine showing at the Mountain Region uh meet uh, down there in Provo on Friday, and they are headed to Tallahassee for the national championships. Yeah, it, this is a team that's really grinded through it, had a pretty good session uh, through their COVID-shortened season in 2020, and now they're bouncing back and heading to the Nationals. Uh, you know, been able to reload, uh, but they have, you know, Kyle Kepler has done a great job up there, mm-hmm. uh, continue to improve the talent. Um, there's some fun athletes on this team, you know, Bella Williams, Kara Woolnaw, and uh, Grayson Murphy, you know, all been competing very well for the cross-country team, so we wish them the best of luck as they head to the NCAAs. Yep. Also, uh, the women's uh, volleyball team had a successful weekend down in the desert themselves, I believe sweeping both Arizona and Arizona State. Yes, yeah. Uh, so Utah owns Arizona for sure now, right? Um, <laughs> sure. Both in football yeah. and volleyball, nothing else counts. <laughs> at least not until basketball wins down there. Oh, but let again... Yeah. Led again by Danny Drews, 23 kills. No uh, no aces this time. Just one ace delivered in the middle of the week when she announced her brother's commitment uh, to the University of Utah, but two blocks. Um, make it three because uh, she blocked off Michigan as well, sending a little bro to the U. Uh, Zoe Weatherington continues to improve, 13 kills, three blocks. And uh, they wrap up the regular season and head to um, you know a- another opportunity to continue to to make things happen as as they go to um pac 12 championship against cal yep uh one other note here the university of utah women's basketball team they opened their season 2-0 following a 106 to 71 victory over xavier saturday afternoon and this is an interesting note here brian it's the second time in program history that utah has scored 100 or more points in back-to-back games the first time since 1978-1979 that season is the last time they did it. So congratulations to the lady running Utes. That's actually a really, really phenomenal start for them. This is a team that I think Lynn Roberts is really excited about. Uh, they made some good additions through the transfer portal, brought back some players. They felt like COVID really impacted their season last year. And, uh, you know, I'm excited for them. It's a fun squad. Lynn is a great coach. Um, and it's a really good program that's done some great things in recent years. Yep, they're back in action tomorrow night. They host St. Mary's, uh, tip-off set for 7 o'clock at the Huntsman Center. You can listen to that, obviously, on ESPN 700 or stream it on utahutes.com. Brian, anybody else we need to touch on before we go here? I said that volleyball is going to the Pac-12 championship. They're not. They're just done with their road games. They're playing at home against Cal on on November the 18th at 5 p.m. That being said, Jake, it's time to attack the quack. It is time to ta- attack the quack. No Donald ducking. No <laughs> Donald ducking here. No Donald ducking. We will get you guys ready all week long for the showdown at Rice Eccles Stadium. Expecting a phenomenal crowd, a phenomenal environment Saturday evening when the Utes and the Ducks square off. We'll have you ready for it all week long right here on Locked On Utes. Brian, give us some words of wisdom to send us on our way. Just because it says family size doesn't mean that you aren't your own family, Jake. That's just another thing that you can accomplish.
I can dig that. All right, that's going to do it. Thank you once again for joining us. Thank you for making Locked On Utes your first listen of the day. I want to encourage you guys now to get over to Locked On Pac-12 and get caught up with everything else going on in the conference in 30 minutes or less. It is free and available on all podcasting platforms. Uh, for Brian, I'm Jake. Follow the show on social media at Locked On Utes on Twitter. And until tomorrow, have a great rest of your day. This has been the Locked On Utes podcast for November 15th, 2021.